Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. Hi, Adam. Man, you know, I got, can I, can I start with a, a, a rant this week, Zach? Can I get something off my chest? You know what? Normally that's my purview, but I'd love to cede the floor to you in this occasion. All right. All right. So uh, this past week we did something new, right? Because... We uh, did a vote. We said, hey, patrons, we have two different ideas for this next episode, right? Yes. And one of them was IVX and the other one was AVX, right? A plus X, but yes. A plus X, you know, whatever. And in my brain, I went, gosh, I really hope these readers, these smart patrons of our program who uh, love listening to our show make the right choice and don't make me read IVX stories. Right. And then that's not what they chose. They did. I mean, that is what they chose. They chose the AVX, A plus X, whatever we advertised it as. And then I read these stories, except for one of them, because I screwed that up. We'll reveal. We're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about that in a second. And I I am nothing but aggravated. (laughs) The A stands for aggravated. The beauty. And and I'm going to take 100% credit for it. One. On the vote, uh, thank you to everyone from patreon.com slash comicsxf who did vote on that. I gave him a 24-hour window because I put the poll up on a, on like a Saturday mo- or Friday, and I was like, shoot, I got to read these comics these weekends. So they got whoever gets in votes in the next day gets it. I had to have a hard cutoff. Eventually did that. A plus, plus X did win at the cutoff, but after the bell, a few people d- still voted, and IVX would have won out. In oh. the way I tricked it, people, here's the thing. These were stories that Zach wanted to talk about. <laughs> Nothing about that means that these comics are good <laughs> or interesting Whew. or anything except for I thought it would be funny to talk about that. Well, you you definitely pick some winners here, Zach. So, um... oh, we have nothing but things to talk about. And <laughs> part of me is a little disappointed that you didn't read uh, one of these stories, we'll get to why in a minute, folks. Yes. Uh, yes, we will. Because I kind of want to know, like, I, I imagine by the end of this, you're going to go back and want to read this story. Oh, I will. I will. It's the amount of wild twists and turns that that takes <laughs> confounds me to this day. Uh, <sighs> Where are we starting, Zach? Well, we're starting with thanking the patrons who went over to ComicsXF, Patreon, mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash ComicsXF. Reached deep down to the hearts and pocketbooks and threw a couple of coins into our coffers. And those folks, no one got to pick an episode this week, but really everyone did get to pick an episode this week because we extended a vote to them. That's right. We said, it's your choice, folks. Mm-hmm. And here in our Attitude Era, we're doing things for us, but we're doing things for you. But here's the thing, when we're doing things for you, we're going to rig it so that we're doing things for us. And by us, I mean, <laughs> I'm rigging it for me. This week is all Zach. This week is... <laughs> This week is my choice. I choice. I choice. <laughs> I chose this lifestyle, and now I have to live with the consequences. And the beauty of it is, if you don't want to live with the consequences, 
Got that pause button right there, folks. You can just hit it. It's okay. I, I stop. But Adam, he has to deal with this for the rest of the hour. This uh, first story is one that I distinctly remember from my youth as aggravating the hell out of me at the time. And I'm so excited to get into it. What is really this, you had you had time to be aggravated between the dinosaur attacks? <laughs> Grandpa. Hey, get off my lawn. This is the 30th anniversary special Avengers slash X-Men blood ties. It is a crossover event spearheaded by X-Men editor and at the time Avengers writer Bob Harris. Fabian, mm-hmm. it covers, I guess it covers Avengers 368 and 369, X-Men 26, West Coast Avengers, or I'm sorry, at this time Avengers West Coast 101, <laughs> and Uncanny X-Men 307. We got Steve Epting on an issue. We got Andy Kubert on an issue. We got Fabian Nicieza riding. We got Roy, the boy, Thomas, David Ross, uh, Scotty Lobbs, John Romita Jr., and Jan Dersima. Yeah. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Why do you hate this comic so much? <laughs> oh, I hate this because it has Avengers in it. Okay. Listen, listen, we got to have a talk, guys. We got to have a talk. <laughs> guys, we got to have a talk. <laughs> X-Men fans, I'm not saying that we need to stop making jokes about how the Avengers are cops because it's very funny and I laugh every time. It's just, I know they are on top of the world right now, but it still feels to me because I grew up in that era and likely you did too, that it's like beating up on a littler kid because (laughs) it's like no one cared about the Avengers until at the earliest 2002 and that was more saying well the avengers suck but the ultimates are great Hmm. and then really close to like 2005 maybe we were saying interesting and then uh there was a movie and it became very popular and now it's an unescapable cut or juggernaut no matter how hard i try to get out of it they keep (laughs) making me think about avengers things yeah i um you know, distinctly remember being 13 years old and not wanting Avengers in my X-Men. And not only was this Avengers in my X-Men, right? So it just come off Fatal Attractions, you know, just off Fatal Attractions, very exciting hologram, uh, fun time and Wolverine bones out and adamantium out and, you know, Cable getting beat up by Magneto, Magneto getting turned into a vegetable. And all of a sudden, Captain America is on the cover of X-Men 26. And I'm going, dear God, now I have to go buy these Avengers issues. Okay, so let's talk. One, at this time, Captain America was written by the goat Mark Grunewald. Uh, so his book was actually fun. This we're is past, we're Wolf past Era, Rudy's right? prime. Uh, yeah. It's, this is... This is late Groonies. This is not. Uh, this is not like U.S. Agent style Groonies, where it's like really just always hitting. And yeah, it's not yeah. Cap Wolf, where it's fun. We're we are past Cap Wolf at this point. I really think if you're describing the Grunewald, the Grunewald Captain America, you could argue that Cap Wolf is like the last, the last peak, the last <laughs> top of the mountain you get. All I'm saying is that for a buck 25 an issue uh, and Adam's, you know, measly allowance, 
I was not going to go buy issues of Avengers and Avengers West Coast to fill in the gaps between X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. I was just going to read the X-Men parts. And thus, this was very disjointed and annoying to me. And it I, I was eager to revisit it. Because so Adam, wait, you're mad at this comic because when you were 13, you didn't read all of it. No, and it no, felt no, no, incomplete? no. I did read it, but I'd read it in the comic book store. Uh, I was that kid, you know, um, it's I not was, a library. It's not a library. Adam, it's not a library. Not a library. You need you need to go back to that mom and pop comic book store and give them a buck. 95. I gave them plenty of my money. It was fine. But no excuse. I'm not zero tolerance. Not spending, no spending money on these Avengers folks. Um, <laughs> But I was eager to revisit it because I distinctly remember this story being really strange and uh, the story did not disappoint. It is very strange. And let's, I actually let's... thought that it started pretty well and then ends absolutely terribly. So let's get into it. What's it about, Zach? Well, it's about the Avengers and the Avengers at this time are. This is Jacket Avengers, which I think superheroes should wear jackets more often than not. I yeah, do think cool. in this particular case, the Avengers were too much of friggin' nerds to pull it off. Because <laughs> here's what you got. You got Black Knight. And I have mm-hmm. been open about this. Yeah. I hate Black Knight. And I think Black Knight is a bad character. And I cannot believe they got Zero Charisma guy from Game of Thrones to be Black Knight. Except for that's kind of perfect casting in my book. He never got to actually Black Knight. He just, like, he just stood there. I mean... Okay, it's still more Black Knight than I wanted. That that's true. I don't I don't care for the Black Knight. Uh, you got I'm the right Black Widow. You. Yep, mm-hmm. she's fine. Yep. You got Captain America. Great, love him. Love Cap. Crystal Maximoff, which is a mm-hmm. weird choice for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Inhuman. Giant Man, who does nothing in the story. Hate that guy. He's big. He's big. I just awful. I mean, like I'm not trying to be like. No one should be defined by one story, but I also can't think of a second Hank Pym story, and that's telling. <laughs> Hercules. Sure. Sh- I mean, sure. Her- yeah. Hercules was good when Greg Pak wrote him. And again, wild that he was in a movie, like recently <laughs> too. Like, folks, when we're saying they're they're scraping the bottom of the barrel of the Star Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. We're kind of about- start by scraping the bottom, you know? They no, they started the they scraped the top of the Avengers barrel off, <laughs> which was already at the bottom of the Marvel barrel. But now they're getting to the bottom of the Avengers barrel and they're like, I guess we're doing a Wonder Man show. <laughs> Wonder Man, not on this team. Uh nope. Cersei from the Eternals, the best Eternal. Yeah. Are easily the best Eternal. She's great here. Uh and Vision. Sure. Vision do- also does nothing. The Avengers West Coast. Is of course Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Again, was it good until 2011? It's fine. Julia Carpenter, Spider Woman. The now would be the let's see, one, two, third or fourth least popular Spider Woman. Sure. I I've got to think that J. Jonah Jameson's daughter is a least a less popular Spider Woman. Didn't even know she was. I didn't even know. Wait, J. hold Jonah on. Jameson had a daughter. That's exciting. Well, okay, it's not his. It is not his biological daughter. Maddie Franklin Mm -hmm. is his adopted daughter for some time. She becomes Spider Woman and she constantly changes costumes. Oh, that seems Uh, interesting. So she's like, have you read Alias? You've read Alias, right? The Jessica Jones. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some of it. Yeah. 
Do you remember the arc about uh, the girl who runs away from her family because she's a mutant and actually she's not a mutant. She just hates her family. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the mutant growth hormone uh-huh. mm-hmm. stuff. She was the girl that Bendis had as a mutant growth hormone farm. A plot he would repeat. He does like to use that, yes. Who else is on this? Anyways, this is Julia Carpenter. She's the one that had Spider-Man's black suit, and then they decided actually Spider-Man should have it. Oh, the one that was on Freedom Force for a little bit. X-Men fans. The ones X-Men fans would know. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her. Yep. Uh, War Machine's here from TV's. Secret Invasion? I haven't watched it. I don't know. I think he's Not in that. I mean, I, I'm going to watch it as much as I watch any MCU TV show now. U.S. Agent is here. Johnny Walker. Yep. yep. John Walker. Listen, there's folks who are like, actually, John Walker's a hero. And I beg you to read any comic with John Walker in it because <laughs> he's the worst in every yep. comic he's in. And that's why he's fun to read. And it's also perfect. Scarlet Witch. Yes, yeah. uh, and uh, Quicksilver is also bouncing around here. Uh, Quicksilver at the time is on X Factor, sort of. I don't know if he had left by now or not because he kind of floats around here and X Men for a little bit between. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a he doesn't have a, a home right now. Yeah. So um, for those of you clocking that, that was almost two minutes of just sheer Avengers characters that I'm subjected to as part of this X-Men story. Boo. Uh, Things are not good in Genosha. Wait, hold on. Hold on. News alert. Hold on. Hold on. Trish Tilby here. Things are not good in Genosha. Also, dog butt man. (laughs) But things are really bad uh, in Genosha. Things are the average level of bad for Genosha. Yeah, but there's an all-out civil war between mutants, and, uh, mutates, and humans, and um, Trish Tilby is caught up in the crossfire because Fabian Cortez has abducted Cortez. Luna, uh, Quicksilver, and, and uh, Quicksilver child. and uh, Crystal, Quick, Crystal, Quicksilver yeah. and Crystal's child. The one yeah. from the one from Daredevil, the one from Anacentis Daredevil. Yes, uh, no one thinks about how that plot is a major part of the back half of Anacentis Daredevil. It really is. And so he's done this ostensibly because he wants Magneto to, well, hold on. It it is revealed later on that the whole reason Cortez is doing this is to win the upstarts contest, which I think is hilarious. Very funny. Love the upstarts contest. He's doing it because he is, um, you know, following in the teachings of Magneto or whatever. And, you he's, know, following he's his, using whatever. Magneto and as a symbol of mutant liberation to rile up the upstarts into violent overthrow of the Genosian magistrates and the humans. Hey, here's the thing. The human government of Genosha is still fully in charge at this point. So I feel like the mutates while being manipulated by Fabian Cortez and being pushed to take some overly violent and unreasonable actions, they are coming off as way more sympathetic than the former slave owners. I would like to get into that. Um, but I also do think that this comic kind of knows that. Like, I don't politics, think Bob Harris does. I think yes. the rest of the writers do. The politics of this arc is bananas and um i want to get into that but before we do we should just note that this thing goes completely off the rails because for the latter half of the story 
Exodus just decides to pop down, reveal that Magneto is a vegetable, and then he's taking over for Magneto. And he basically like puts Genosha into a, a contracting bubble that's going to kill everybody. And then he basically just like beats the hell out of every single Avenger and X-Men and Eternal and whoever else is there until I forget how they defeat him. They, they distract they him or something. They something. And they save the baby. And Black, Black Knight stabs him with his psychic sword and oh, something, right. something, something. Black Knight. I'll be honest, guys. This story is about X-Men things and the X-Men are present, but they are not the... It's like watching an Indiana Jones movie. You know, you know that like online thing where they're like, actually, if Indiana Jones would have done nothing, then the whole movie would have happened. And I disagree with that, but I just want to make that argument right here that that but for... <laughs> Avengers X-Men bloodlines. If the X-Men don't do anything, it's like kind of the thing resolves itself. What's what's good about this. The Avengers right now have a charter with the UN. They are working for the UN and the Mm -hmm. UN is looking over at Genosha and saying, we don't want to get in the middle of that. That sounds bad, actually. And they tell the Avengers they are not allowed to do anything. The Avengers. Because. Most of the time, and this is just the only annoying discourse I'm going to do here. Most of the time, the Avengers, when they work for the government, are actually in a plot where they realize very quickly the government is a broken and flawed system. And we can't just be beholden to politicians to make the right decisions about, you know, these people. There's other incentives going on. And that's exactly what happens with the Avengers. They say, screw you, except for U.S. agent who is... Uh, happily hanging out with Peter Henry Gyrick. However, U.S. agent Professor X and Gyrick actually do liberate a mutate concentration camp within Genosha. So points to them. Listen, points to them. Let's get into the politics of this for a second, though, because one of the do we have to? Because it's a Bob Harris comic, and he's no, not but known for being good. This is worth noting, though, is that. It is, and the reason I want to bring this up is because it's literally name checked in the Avengers West Coast thing. Is that mm-hmm. Blood Ties, for all of its goofy Fabian Cortez stuff, is actually making a pretty strident political point that the UN, which ostensibly was created in many large parts to stop future holocausts from happening. This story is coming out in the midst of the Bosnian war mm-hmm. and Bonnie Bosnian genocide. And that conflict is name checked in that particular issue. So not right. only is it being alluded to in the first few issues, it is actually being put into the story as a comparison point. And the Avengers are saying your body, you know, your governing body is a sham because you're not willing to actually do what you're set up to do. And we are going to do it for you, even if when we get there, we are just as helpless as anybody else. So all of that, I think, is interesting. I do think that what you said um, about the way that the writers tackle the resistance movement as being just as bad as what the humans the are doing. The both sizesism does throw all that off for me. Really strange. Really it's strange just, the way that it's tackled. just they were they were they were enslaved. And then the best you could do was have them not be slaves, but still subservient under the rule of law to their oppressors. I can appreciate why that would not be a situation where the Genosian mutates 
would feel comfortable and feel like they have options besides the use of force. I am not advocating for blowing up school children. Just those two thoughts can live in parallel. Yeah. Um, there's some very strange, like new villain concepts in, involved here too, right? Like there's, Oh yeah. Yeah. The unforgiven. So I couldn't stupid. even remember their name. They show up. Are they like Bob Harris tried to get them over and the rest of the writers were like, we're not Bob. This is dumb. Yeah. This is dumb. We don't have room for this. No, there's another set of like Cortez villains too. Like there's the unforgiven. And then there's another set of like the magistrate villains. elite. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. The magistrate elite. I. It's like, just no, we don't need any of this. Did I love, even though it was dumb as heck, the, uh, JR, JR, um, Exodus versus, um, Cerise fighting in the sky. Yeah. I love it. There's a couple of like Let's... turn the comic sideways moments in that issue that are just fun. Cause here's, here's what's good about this. The art is killer all throughout this. It's just one of my biggest criticisms about the current line of X-Men is that I do not think there is enough investment in all-star talent when it comes to art. I, I think, I think they started that way. And I think there are standout artists. I think Josh Kassara, one of, one of my favorites, I've got multiple, like multiple pieces of his work on my wall. I think he's great, but I don't think there's, they aren't putting their A-list, they aren't putting A-list talent on these books in the way they were in the 90s or even the way they were five years ago. Sure. I don't I don't think that that talent's being developed at Marvel right now. I think they're in a they're in a gap between, you know, where their next new big new things are gonna be. Uh but you look at a book like this or a series like this, Steve Epting, Andy Hubert, JR JR. I mean, David West- Ross. The Avengers your, West Coast issue and the final issue of the Avengers, they don't look that great. Well, but those it's David other Ross issues, and Jan Dersima, and I just don't think Dersima is the right fit, frankly, for this. Yeah. I think David Ross is like, he's a perfectly fine artist. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I think the uh, thing starts really strong uh, art-wise, writing-wise. It just, it devolves into a punch-em-up that... Um, you know, kind of walks away from the themes and the ideas that it was trying to discuss in the first three issues. And so, it's so much Avengers stuff. Like the X-Men stuff is like, well, what is the legacy Magneto? Or I guess Quicksilver talking to Magneto's granddaughter that we have created. I'm Charles Xavier right now. Oh, what is the that. legacy that we <laughs> have given this green and pleasant land? And it's like, Charles, I don't care anymore. This is yeah. You've lost me, man. You spent a while talking about Exodus being the, like, who inherits the title of Magneto's successor? Is it Fabian Cortez? Is it Exodus? Is it Quicksilver? Uh, Scarlet Witch, very little to do. <laughs> it's story about the legacy of Magneto. She's around. Well, the idea that the story is called Blood Ties, and yet the actual... Well, we should just mention that probably the reason that's called that is because of Image Comics and Rob Liefeld. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. This is is a marketing push. That is 100% a marketing push to try and like compete with the image books, right? But, well, because when when would the the first image book launched? 92. Okay. So we, by 93, wasn't Youngblood number one in 93? 
Youngblood. No, it was 92 because Image just did a 30 year thing last year. You're right. Yeah, it was April. It was 92. I just looked. Yeah, you would you would know. So yeah, we are we are deep in Image speculator boom now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, calling it blood ties. Yeah. They they started from the title and worked backwards. That's what Bob Harris did. Absolutely. Because he's the editor and he's front of the, hey, guys, by the way, you know, there's a lot of complaints about the Bill Jemis, Joe Quesada kind of times at Marvel. Probably one of the smartest and most reasonable things they did was saying, hey, you can't hire Marvel employees to write these books. <laughs> you can't just hire your friend to do this. <laughs> Bob, you can't be writing Avengers. You are a head editor. What are you doing, Bob? <laughs> What are you doing, Bob, is a great question for the career of Bob. Um, there is nothing about Bob Harris's career that I would not be like, what are you doing, Bob? What are you doing, Bob? Bob, what are uh, you doing? All right. We've probably talked about this way too long. Uh, what do you say we rank it, Zach? Oh, that's the thing we do on this podcast, Adam. We rank things on a big old list. Super of all big. the X-Men stories from best to worst, there are 789 X-Men stories on that road to 800. Holy cow. Uh, with the best X-Men story being uh, the House of X, the Powers of Ten. Adam, can I tell you that legitimately the other day I was thinking about how someone at some point read House of X, Powers of Ten and thought, man, this is a really stirring tribute to libertarianism. Oh, my God. I just knocked myself <laughs> in the head for listeners. I thought who about that the it. other day and it made me laugh so hard. I remember that. And I told myself, I need to bring that up to Adam on the podcast. I want him to hear it. And luckily, we talk about House of X, Pounds 10 every week. <laughs> Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, the pandemic impacted all of us in interesting ways. Sure uh, number 100 is Wolverine 48 to 50, the Shiva scenario. Number 200 is all new Wolverine, Enemy of the State 2. Number 300 is Generations, Phoenix and Jean Grey. Number 400 is the Return of the Warpies from Excalibur. Number 500 is uh, the Jim Lee Mojo Arc of X-Men Volume 2, that also has the Maverick Files in it. Number 600 is Exiles 8 to 10, that's the Gladiator arc. Number 7 is Marvel Bongaverse X-Men. And number 789 is the worst X-Men story ever, uh, 2099 Word of Tomorrow, starring Miguel O'Hara from the Spider-Man movie everyone likes. Yeah, I saw it. I liked it a lot. It was a good Spider-Man movie. Very good. It was... This is my second favorite Spider-Man movie to feature my friends, Gwen and Miles. (laughs) All the way down at 528 is Cable 26 and 28, which is kind of a sequel to this story because it involves Philip. What's Philip's last name? Rambo. Philip Monroe and Monroe and and Jane Ransom. Ransom. Yeah. um, I don't know. The cable arc's better because it's got that. It's got that issue. That's a countdown. I think that that issue. That's a countdown is better than everything else in this. Yeah, so um working my way down. I think Enemy of the State is better than this at 541. Enemy of the State's better than this. Um, is this better than the Nick Spencer Ultimate Comics X-Men? No, I think that was better. What do you think? I mean, I think you're I think you're right. I think you are right here. This is better than 573 Life and Times of Lucas Bishop. Yes, yes, it is. Uh I also think this is better than X Factor Judgment War at 564. This is not better than Astonishing X-Men 1 through 6, Life of X, an ambitious attempt to do a thing that doesn't really work and is a comic that says, hey, X-Men isn't really working while still making X-Men not work. Yeah. But I think that's better Uh, than this. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, Better or worse than the 96 to 100 London Hellfire Club arc of Excalibur? 
I'm going to say better, and here's why. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a history lesson for you. Oh, I like you remember, you remember back in the day when I would do the Xavier Files, where I would write long things about different X-Men characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For a while, right when it started, a lot of people started asking me, "Oh, are you going to do like the thing where you explain how to kill these people <laughs> from Excalibur 100?" I was like, "No, that's stupid. That's freaking <laughs> stupid, people. I know that's dumb." So thank you for that. You get blood ties ahead of you. That's what you get for that. <laughs> it's our new 563. Okay. Um, well, folks. And folks, that was totally. the comic that Adam was most looking forward to talking about. Well, let's get into this next one, which I really hate. <laughs> Do you? Adam, that's such a divisive word. I don't think you I don't think you should use that word. I think. What you really need to do is bring people together and not tear them apart. And, you know, I don't, I just, if I'm going to, can I get real close to the mic here? Yeah, let's, let's have a moment. Let's have a moment here, folks. It's just, when I call myself the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, I feel like some of you, there's some people out there that are uncomfortable with that moniker. I feel like some of you, that is a sign that, you know what? This is something new. This is something different. This is something raw and unique. And while I'm trying to express the raw energy that I provide when I'm rocking the mic, there's some people that they have built in prejudices and we need to be respectful of them. And you know what? I don't want that divide between the good boys and the bad boys of X-Men podcasting. (laughs) I think we need to find a place where we can all just meet a middle ground. And I'm going to propose a new thing. Instead of calling me the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, how about just Zach? <laughs> How about just Zach? Zach, Adam, we're all the same. Zach, we, we 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 all bleed red. Adam, Zach. Yes, that that's what am- I asked you to call me. Thank that you. That was amazing. Congratulations. Uh, I will drop your Emmy off later. Um, Thank you. Whatever so the much. I, equivalent of that. I've is. just I've been I've been thinking so much about this, and I know our listeners they want to hear. Two cis straight white guys talk about this comic so much and that (laughs) ending. And I think we can all agree that Uncanny Avengers 1 through 5 by Rick Remender with John Cassidy on four issues and Oliver Coypel on the fifth one has some issues. It sure does, uh, folks. Five issues, in fact. It's 1 through 5. That's the number of issues it has. Yeah. Gee golly. Where to start? Where to start? How about... It's terrible. Can we start with the fact that it opens up? It opens up with like a schlocky horror movie scene. Yeah. Like it's shock horror is the first issue, Mm -hmm. which is so dumb. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's the thing with the first issue opens with who we later find out is the Red Skull and not the Red Skull that's been around for a while because his Nazi status was too ambiguous for this writer. Start out with actual, just like unfroze himself from 1945 Red Skull. Opening up Avalanche's head and skull and taking out part of his brain Mm -hmm. so that he causes people to dislike mutants. He replaces it with a little robot thingy and then Avalanche goes out and causes havoc so that people hate mutants. So stupid. stupid. It's very Silver Age and it's fine. It's a mix um, of like a Silver Age plot, yeah. but with gross out aesthetics. Yeah. And I'm not against like, listen, 
I got a picture of a guy's entire skeletal system being removed from him behind me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not against body horror and, like, gory things. But, like, this is what you want as the opening image of your X-Men in Avengers book? Okay, Rick. Let's go, buddy. Rick is not known for subtlety. and Rick uh, Remender is not a subtle person. No, he's not. And um, if you ever wanted to learn that racism is bad, well, boy, this is the comic book for you. Because, well, folks, we know that. Um, I don't need Rick Remender to tell me that. Um, but he is about to bash it over your head as many times as he possibly can over the course of these five issues. And he's going to do it. He's going to try to do a nice little, you know, a, a horseman of apocalypse redux, except he's going to do it with red skull and a team of characters that are absolutely awful named the S men. Okay. I like, I like me's I've said this before. The turtle mm, man, the, the S men suck. The S-Men, the S-Men kind of suck. I like Mies because he's a big old turtle man. Sure. I think that's great. I think there should be big old turtle men. Like, yeah. my general, my feelings on him begin and end with, I think John Cassidy did a good job drawing him. Here's the thing, though, about these issues, okay? Let's get into the Cassidy of it all. Because we've, re- we've re-evaluated Astonishing recently. And when you read Astonishing, the art is Astonishing. And that's a huge part of why that book has aged, you know, the way it has. And people still keep it in high esteem, even if the writing, you know, maybe hasn't aged as well. Right. This is not Cassidy firing on all cylinders. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. He's but I do clearly, like his turtle man. He clearly does not have as much time as he did with the much delayed, often delayed, astonishing X-Men. And this art does not look as good. The way in which things are framed the characters and their faces are very bland. Everybody kind of looks like they're bored a lot of the time. Wolverine looks much younger for some reason. It's a very odd way of drawing Wolverine throughout this. And um, it's just not up to his normal snuff. Koi Pell comes in and kills the issue that he's he in does. on because he's a modern master. But it's just not visually interesting. Um, I think the the thing that I constantly take away from this is just the absolute audacity of continuing to violate Professor X's corpse in as many ways as possible. Is at a certain point, it's really funny. It's like I'm sorry the the end of issue one where Red Skull is holding up Charles Xavier's brain from his now excavated skull. Mm -hmm. That is hilarious. I don't a hundred percent know if that's what you're supposed to feel in that moment because i don't get the feeling that this is a jokey joke book but it is a really funny page like oh it's horrible that that happened to a fictional character and if 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 any of these people were real this would be one of the most horrific things to ever happen in the world however it's a really funny page <laughs> like i'm sorry this plot's so dumb red's call here's the plot for people who have not read uncanny avengers Red Skull grafts Professor X's brain into his own because that's where his telekinetic powers are stored. Apparently, even though he's dead, the powers are stored in the brain. Right. Forget everything else. It's all right. stored in the brain. Dead brain. Just going to Captain America dead brain in your skull. Just slap some dead brain in there. You know, you have to remove part of your other. Listen, I'm just this is based on the logic that Rick Remender does send up set up in his time. 
he has to remove part of his brain to put that brain in there because your skull's only so even if you got a red skull, it's only so big. You can only fit so much brain in there. He lobotomizes himself. He has and you to. put an Xavier brain in, and then but because that's where all of his life is, now Xavier's in your brain, and then when an axis hits, you can become the white skull and be the hero. It's a yeah. whole thing. It's a yeah. whole thing. At the same time, Captain America is like, shoot, you know what? Probably haven't helped out the X-Men enough, which is fair. And it's good that Captain America's like, I should have done that. Should have helped out people more. Let's help out people. Captain America's doing his part. He says, I'm going to get Alex Summers to lead my team. And boy, that's mistake number one. Alex Summers should not be leading teams. No, have we learned nothing from X Factor? Have we learned nothing from Mutant X? Like, uh, come on. This is not Insane. a good decision. It's only doing it because it's like, well, this is Cyclops' brother, and Cyclops is mutant Hitler now. They're, he's not mutant is, Hitler yet. But this they don't is post like AVX. Cyclops this is post AVX. And Wolverine's like, yeah, well, you know what? It doesn't matter that there's other mutants back because you killed the one mutant who mattered, Charles Xavier. Wolverine's written like a jerk in this, which is kind of annoying because I, I don't dislike the Wolverine that remit her rights in Uncanny X Force, but he, I don't like him here. He's mourning Xavier in a way that doesn't seem to make sense for the character. Also, Thor is just hanging out. Sure. Thor's here. Just hanging out. Yep. Love so that. Rogue, Love that for Thor. Rogue and Thor hate each other. Well, okay. I'm, we'll get into that in a second. That makes I sense. just want to say Thor, constant ally to the mutants. Always been there for him. Yep. Captain America's like, we haven't done enough to help the mutants. He's like, Who's we were talking about? I've been their best <laughs> friend for a while. I gave one of them a hammer once. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, Captain. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Scarlet Witch. There's no two ways around it. Scarlet Witch, if you didn't blame her for M Day previously, you're going to not feel bad about blaming her based on her actions in this comic, where she just acts like a real jerk and very insensitive to the. M- Hundreds of thousands of lives that she ruined by her actions, even if she was not directly involved. And really, it's kind of more of her brother's fault. Yeah. She just she has no sympathy for the situation. Takes no responsibility and has no sympathy. And uh, it's it's not great. And Rogue has a short fuse. Sure. Which is fair. Rogue, you're not supposed to root for all of Rogue's actions in this. She comes out of this smelling like daisies. Like she looks the best. The one thing she does. That you could be like, oh, Rogue, that wasn't the most tactful thing you could do. Is eventually in the mansion, in Avengers Mansion, a.k.a. the house that they invited her to live in. She puts up a picture of Charles Xavier instead of the original Avengers. And Wasp gets mad. Yes. Even though Captain America. And Rogue's America, like, I don't care. I think Cap asked her to do it. Cap was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can put up a picture. And he's like. And then he's like, oh, Jan's going to be hey, Rogue, could you put up your stuff over there? So everyone kind of sucks in this. Wonder Man's here, and I hate him so much. And I'm, mm-hmm. we're not, he barely does anything except for his brother shows up, and Rogue kills him by doing one punch like mm-hmm. normal people do. Yep. Uh, Sunfire's here. Cool. Whatever. The rest of the plot, before we get to the speech, because I only have one thing to say about the speech, because we've, it's been done to death by people who are smarter than me and more well-equipped to handle it. But before that, it's just the Red Skull is making everyone hate mutants and act violently in, in a The Kingsman way. Yeah. And then they have to they have to stop him, and more he just escapes at the end. It's 
it's dumb and also is another example of comics being like prejudice is actually caused by lobotomized brains of good people being put into Nazis. And we can totally solve every crisis with singing ebony and ivory, right? Because if we get the Avengers and we get the X-Men together, all of a sudden we will have harmony across the globe. And nowhere is this more tone deaf in what Zach than in what Zach was making fun of before. And if you have not read Uncanny Avengers number five, it does contain Alex giving an infamous written speech about how he doesn't want to be called the M word anymore. Clock. That it represents everything that he hates. Yes. And that he would like to just be known by his first name, Alex. Someone asks him, what should we call you then? And he says, how about Alex? Now, this was so uh, controversial at the time that Bendis then did his own response to it in all new X-Men out of the mouth of Kitty Pride. In several good pages of comics. An amazing like pages rebuttal. That are, that are great and fit the character well. And I'm not saying, I, I want to be very clear. I do not think that we need to take every word that every character says in every comic as the literal mouthpiece of the creator. I think that is a, at best, a stupid way to analyze media. So in general, I would not say, yes, this is Rick Remender saying his thoughts through Havoc. In general, I wouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. In this one specific case, I would say that when Rick, when, there were several articles written about this and a bunch of people like giving, I remember uh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, but there was a great piece on comics Alliance about this at the time in Rick Remender's response. And I'm just going to quote this tweet from uh, March 28th at nine 15 AM uh, 2013 heads up. If Havoc's position in UA number five really upsets you, it's time to drown yourself in hobo piss. Seriously. Do it. It's the only solution. Real tactful. I keep thinking of Rick Remender telling people to drown themselves in hobo piss so much. There's just so much going (laughs) on. Like, it's terrible. It's terrible. But what a, what an image to be putting out into the world. And what a, what a response. This is why comics creators should never tweet. This is why Mm. nobody should tweet. Because then you tell people to drown themselves in hobo piss. Yeah, many of them don't anymore uh, for, for for better reasons. Um, but it's so funny. I'm sorry. Like, in retrospect, this situation is... It's ridiculous. Um, insane. As is, as is the amped up uh, virtue signaling of this particular arc. And um, I've gone on... We've both gone on record and saying that there are later arcs of this that uh, we really enjoy, especially when Acuna comes on I've board. read stuff that I like, yeah. But let me tell you, this, this first it. arc, it ain't it. It is trash, and I hate it. This was the flagship book for Marvel when it started, and yeah. there's a reason we all went like, so what's Hickman doing over here with the Avengers now? And then this book stops being important. And that book has a cinematic universe about it. Yeah, it's a real whiff. It's a real whiff. So this is definitely worse uh, than what we started with at, with Blood Ties. Uh, would, oh, would... this is, where's Axis on the list? Oh, yeah. 
great. I mean, comparison. we have to we have to answer that key question. Okay, at seven fifty four is Axis on the list. Is yeah. this better or worse than Axis? I would like to do a pro con, please. Pro, mm-hmm. regardless of Cassidy not hitting on all cylinders, this looks better than Axis. It does look better than Axis, especially. It also has, while it's dumb, mm-hmm. has a tight, coherent plot that follows from issue to issue. It is coherent. Yes. Not good. But remember, we're comparing this to Axis. So mm-hmm. these are the pros cons we're going at. Like, yes. those are two easy wins in that corner. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of on the bad side of that. Axis, on the other hand, incredibly dumb, pretty ugly, and finds a way to somehow unsatisfyingly wrap up this plot. All right. So we're saying this is better than Axis. Um, I don't know. I'm saying that it's, I'm saying that I'm conflicted. Well, as I look up the list a little bit as to what's uh, like just above Axis, like at six seven twenty four, we have X Women by uh, Milo Minara. I'd rather read X Women than this. I yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, let's let's be real. Have now, which have I read more, this or X Women? It's this. Yeah. I've read this thing like seven times. Yeah, but we are. I we keep are thinking in, about it. We are in the right part of the list. I'm also looking at 732, which is Legion. Um, oh, the is, Peter Milligan one. Which is really bad. Um, but I think this might be just a, a pinch better than that, um, especially because of the art. Is this better than at 731 Magneto Rex? I don't remember Magneto Rex. Which one's Magneto Rex? That's not a good sign either way. Uh, how about X-Men Liberators at 728? That was pretty bad. Uh, oh, Magneto Rex is the one with Zealot. No, Magneto Rex is better. Okay, so this is our new 732. Yeah, let's make it 732. And here's the thing, guys. I could look below Axis, but right below Axis is Eve of Destruction, and then it's Wolverine and the X-Men Volume 2, number one, and then it's Wild Thing, number four. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is a better story than all of those. Yeah, but it's still garbage. Uh, anyway, speaking of reading things, Adam, ah. you didn't. Well... I did read what I thought was what I was supposed to read. And apparently as we, you know, began to get ready for this episode, I realized, nope, totally read the wrong thing. I read a new or new Avengers volume two arc involving uh, the new Avengers versus the dark Avengers. And just assumed that because there was a Wolverine and Gorgon fight in it, that I was reading the right thing. And uh, so Zach- what was the, what was the part that tipped you off? The part where I said, yeah, we're here's what I told you. We're reading New Avengers, The Collective, and then that series is not called The Collective. Here's here's where Did I that think not it, tip you off a little bit? Here's where I got tripped up is because when I read which issues it was, I ended up in the wrong volume on Marvel Unlimited. And yeah. I went, well, okay, this seems a little strange, but I'll just keep going with it. Zach told me I would realize why we picked this when I read. I, I did read tell it. you it was going to take a, you're not going to understand what and I'm I got talking all about the the until end. we get near the end. And I was like, why did we read? Why am I reading this? So Zach, I turn the show over to you. Uh, please tell us all about new Avengers volume one, the collective. Yeah, this is New Avengers 16 through 20, written by friend of the show, Brian Michael Mendes, uh, with 16 illustrated by Steve McNiven. Uh, Mike Diodato does the rest. And Adam, you remember the House of M? Uh, yes. Do you remember when uh, when all the mutants lost their powers, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the big uh, 
thing at the end of that where they said, oh, and by the way, where'd all that power go to? Because energy cannot be created or destroyed, which I got to keep telling people that's not how any of this works. No, but yes, I do remember that you concept. Can't, you it's, can't have Cyclops and be like, yeah, energy can't be created or destroyed. And it's like, Cyclops. Punch dimension. <laughs> Cyclops, what are you doing? He's just opening his eyes to the punch dimension. Listen, you... You know you're talking to somebody who understands the punch dimension <laughs> and was ecstatic when Al Ewing put it in Ultimates. I want to say it was Ultimate Squared, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm not a punch dimension believer, by the way. I don't. I, I have, I have accepted. Here's my truth about continuity. One, continuity isn't what happens. Continuity is what you remember. Sure. And I remember the punch dimension. I will never forget the punch dimension. <laughs> All right. So people argue energy... about continuity. You know, when we say continuity, what a lot in canon, what we normally like, what that normally refers to is a reference to the establishment of the biblical canon that happened 600 some years after Christianity was founded. Hmm. So, like, we got some time to establish canon, people. Sure. It's not, it's not just everything that we've written. We can, we can be flexible about this. Anyway. And that's important because this story's relationship to canon is loose. I'm so excited to hear about this. I can't wait. So energy created or destroyed, right? Well, it all went somewhere. You know where all that energy went. Adam, say it with me. It went into the sun. No, it didn't. It went into Vulcan and it all and woke him up. And it also went into counter earth and started a new onslaught. And then I think there was a third thing that I'm forgetting about that they did with that new energy, something with the Phoenix force at some point. X-Men the end. No, that was a different thing. That was a different, but that was a different thing. Uh, But the other thing that it did is it did a U-turn and came back to earth and it was absorbed by a gentleman, a post office worker uh, by the name of Michael pointer. He was in Alaska. Here we go. He turns into a big old red guy. Who's just walking around filled with energy He's walking across the country and you know what? They need uh, a premier superhero team to stop them. Maria Hill calls them in. Uh, She calls in Alpha Flight. Okay. Do you remember when Brian was on our our program recently and he talked about how early in his career, sometimes he would break toys and he didn't realize until later. It's like, actually, when you break toys, that's not always the best thing to do. And like, at minimum, you upset people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, Brian Michael Bendis breaks Alpha Flight <laughs> in like a page, like off panel, murders all of Alpha Flight. Wow. Just dead. They're dead. Yeah, they died to get over Michael Pointer, the collective. Okay. Um, who has, he doesn't know this yet, uh, but I'll spoil it. You know how all the energy of all the mutants that were depowered went up into space and then came back down into him? He has all the powers. He has all the powers. He doesn't. Wow. In what I think is actually a pretty funny move in this story. He doesn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Like at a certain point, someone, one of the new Avengers asks him, why is he walking? Mm-hmm. And or he doesn't ask that. They throw him and he they realize that he was only walking because he didn't know he could fly yet. Oh. And they're like, and now he's coming faster. Thank you. Listen, Bendis is kind of funny sometimes. The new Avengers do some policing in Detroit. And I'm not going to unpack that because I don't want to. Uh, they just stand on street corners okay, and just like hang out. And it's a, listen, it's a cool page for Luke Cage and I'm not unpacking the politics of that. Uh, however, they get called away to do some stuff and they're like, actually, you know who could help us? 
not an adventure, but should be Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel, fresh off of uh, the fresh off of the House of M series where they were like, actually, you could be a great superhero where she was like the biggest deal. Yeah. She goes, tries to stop him. Sentries tries to stop him. Iron Man tries to stop him. Uh, no one can stop this guy. Carol gets her binary powers back for a hot second. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Eventually, they realize something that this guy can control metal, which is what makes them realize he has all of the mutant powers. Okay. Also, he tries to destroy Cleveland, which normally I'd be upset about, but Brian Michael Bendis is a fellow Ohioan, so I'm giving him a pass. I'm giving him a pass for having Cleveland be the joke because I made Cleveland jokes last week. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you trash-talked Cleveland last episode. so I'm allowed. Kindred, kindred I'm from spirits. Ohio. I'm not from Cleveland, I, but that's fine. Anyway, uh, everyone fights. And then they realize, wait, this is all the mutant energy. This is all of the mutants. So, Adam, when you were flipping through the wiki and you were like, whoa, all these characters appear? Yeah, it's because they all appear on this page here on a big old ah, computer screen. Oh, look at that. And then Love their names a big show up. screen with all little floating heads. Oh, Artists yeah, you know. Uh, Abyss, <laughs> Angel Dust, uh, Artie, Beak, Black Tom, Blob, Conquistador, Chamber, Fatal, Hack, Harpoon, Fantasia, Quicksilver. You're not going to read them all, are you? Because that's a lot. of. Oh, no, I'm not even close. But Kiwi Black does get mentioned, and I think oh, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. Spider-Man's like, oh, wait, now I know who this guy is or what this guy is. Talks about all the mutants that are dead and that don't have their powers. They have to keep fighting him. And again, this is a Bendis comic uh, from the mid 2000s. So it's a little decompressed. It's a lot of fighting, a lot of good witty dialogue. Great art, honestly. Nick McNiven first and then Diodato. Like he's. People people will poo-poo on Diodato these days. I think his stuff works Diodato, pretty well. Diodato yeah. is terrible. I think his stuff works pretty good here. He's awful. He draws I, boobs like they're wrapped up in saran wrap, and it's like two cantaloupes in there. Okay, but if let him who is without sin cast the first stone on that one. Are you saying that I draw them like that? I am not saying, Adam, I don't know how to explain this. I have not looked at your art in that way here's my what i'm gonna say is that diodato is notorious for um a certain kind of depiction of of human bodies that is pretty ridiculous not a fan just just gonna say that just i'm gonna, gonna say that i'd say when when you do end up it's, slipping through this it's you'll ugly. agree with me you'll agree with me that he looks a lot better uh in this than he does in say 2012 okay the arc I read had Mike Diodato art and I hated it. Yeah. He changes his styles pretty significantly between okay. the two times. All right. Maybe I, I got to like, go this back is, and it might come down to inking and things like that. Uh, sure, he maybe, sure. I don't know if he's doing traditional stuff right now. Uh, Cause I know he's moved to digital. Mike Diodato and... squirrel girl is a war crime. <laughs> oh my gosh. You read the squirrel girl part that. Yeah. That's a, notoriously right. bad looking we issue. are going anyway. along here well you gotta gotta wrap this up tell me who who, who this collective guy is the no, he's michael pointer he ends up in genosha okay ends up in genosha genosha post post house of m genosha magneto's there he's writing a letter for reasons and oh no all of the power that was in the uh that was in him goes into magneto so magneto's a little repowered but actually no it's not magneto uh, because one of the mutants in the thing, in the mutant energy, <laughs> one of the mutants really wanted to get back to Magneto. And do you know who that mutant was, buddy? Please say Joseph. <laughs> nope. 
It's Zorn, baby. This is a Zorn story, actually. This is actually a Zorn story. What? <laughs> this is a Zorn one, baby. <laughs> Surprise, it's Zorn. <laughs> so it, it's a Zornito. It's a Zornito story. And it's a different Zornito because, as we all know, Zorn from Planet X was originally in Grant Morrison's conception. Magneto dresses a guy named Zorn. Right. This is a silly plot in general, but very understandable. Zorn then becomes a guy named Zorn dressed as Magneto, dressed as himself, who has an identical twin brother. So we know why he, that he's dressed like himself. Yes. So now this posits that actually that Zorn dead depowered, all of his energy has gone back into Magneto to fight the Avengers and remind them of what they did when they depowered all of the mutants, get revenge. This Zorn has the power to create all of the zombies of Genosha. Oh my. This um, is a necrotia situation all of a sudden. We got we got a Zorn necrotia situation going on here. Wow. Yes. We got we got a necrotia situation. Quake shows up, you know Daisy Johnson from yep. Secret War without the yep. S. Yep. She shows up because she's a Nick Fury loyalist and something, 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 Maria Hill, something, something, something. Sure, sure. S.H.I.E.L.D. plot of the time. And she, you know, the character from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the yep. show where Coulson lives. I'm, I'm familiar. She uses her quake powers to shake Zord out of Magneto. And then do you know what happens? I don't. I didn't read this. Oh, Sentry throws uh, the collective energies of all the mutants depowered in Genosha or depowered on M-Day into the sun. Okay, I knew the sun had to be involved somehow. That's just classic. I mean, that that's just what the sentry does. He throws things into the sun. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just his classic one solution. Comics. It's a good solution too. Claremont, we gave him a lot of crap in that episode. Claremont was kind of right. You throw the sun's in, a great solution. If I could throw stuff into the sun, I I would. You know that that seems like great. So I am anticipating that I probably would have enjoyed this, but um, I think you would have enjoyed the twist and turns when you didn't know there was going to be a splash page where Magneto's wailing in the air and screaming Zord out of nowhere. That does sound pretty great. I think you would have thrown the thing down and say, son of a gun, Zach, I didn't know where you were going with this. I saw the Alpha Flight stuff. I knew Wolverine was in it. I knew there was like some mutant energy. Maybe we were talking about that. No, bud, it was all of that. Also, I think Magneto gets sent to prison or something. Great. I don't care. Oh, cool. no. They try and send him to prison and then a thing blows up and he escapes. Okay. It's a weird plot, man. man. I don't know what Brian was doing with this one. But it's very funny to me. Sounds sounds amusing. Uh, it looks again, nice. Not a fan this of like, Diodato is... art, but I bet it would still be enjoyable. You're, I know exactly the Diodato art you're thinking of. This is better than that. Okay. All right. And you got some Magnivin in there. It's a weird, it's a weird story, man. I don't know. So it was the one it. I read. The one I read was was very bizarre. So yours, what you read was a Fear Itself tie-in mm -hmm. mixed with part of a Norman Osborn story. Yeah. And, and Norman Osborn looked like uh, Tommy Lee Jones in every issue. It was really okay, weird. But that. Okay. That is Diodato's problem. That one's strange. a Diodato thing. He did it quite well. It just, it just was a very odd choice. Um, I'm going to let you rank this cause I don't know where to put it. That's a great, that's a great thing. You get a gimme here. No, I get no, a gimme. Uh, and people were no not pushback. planning on messing with our format like this all the time. Just when Adam forgot about the comic. This has happened before. Hey, folks, here's a secret. If we've ever messed with the format before, 
there's like a 50% chance somebody screwed up on the reading order. <laughs> and normally we get by with it because we can do a shorthand between like X-Men stuff uh, and be like, yeah, it's that one. And you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Zach, obviously. We, yep. we are both obsessed with this stuff. And then this time I was like, oh, yeah, it's that Adventures arc. You know the one. And then he's like, no. Nope. I don't. Don't know anything about those. I'm um, not dumb, as good as Avengers versus X-Men consequences or the Red Skull stuff in uh, Jerry's Uncanny Avengers. I mean, it's not better than Cannibal Run or the City of Sickles from Savage Avengers or that Secret Avengers issue. I would say it is better than the X-Men versus the Avengers number four, though, which is at 430. Okay. Or one through four. Okay. As I'm looking at this, Adam, if I would say, I would say that this is better than Uncanny X-Men Into the Void. Okay. Which I know you you like, but I think you more remember it fondly than enjoy reading it. Listen, that's a mess. It's just, you know... You can feel free to put it above that. I I do and will feel free to put it above that. But it's not as good as 402, which is X-Men The Fall of Avalon. Okay. Me? Oh, it's better than Uncanny X-Men Quarantine. It is better than Quarantine. Mm. So that's at 413. Fall of Avalon's at 404. Um, I'm going to put it... Here's what I'm going to propose. I'm going to put it below uh, the first Havoc and second Sentinels arc, again, involving the sun. Involves the sun. Good play. Involves the sun. That story is better at throwing things into the sun. Uh, But above Uncanny X-Men Annual 95. Perfect. All right. This is our new 405 on the list. New 405. It's a Zorn story. Nice. I I love Zorn so much. And I love knowing what happened with all the mutant energy after M-Day. I think some of it came back and became hope. Sure. That that tracks, right? That I don't remember sense. that. I don't remember all the details. That mutant energy did a lot of stuff. It was very busy mutant energy. <laughs> it's just floating around there. Having it's just time. floating around. People people forget that it created Onslaught 2 on Counter-Earth. Why? Or not Counter-Earth, excuse me. On the Heroes Reborn Earth. Mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld came back and threw that one. No, thank you. Adam, I had fun. I had a good today? time. I am really glad you got to like play story time there and, you know, walk me through that. That was fun. So I'm glad that you got to listen. I've been practicing my story <laughs> time with my kids recently. We act or well, I say recently for a while now. My son picked up from the library this week two Marvel books. Actually, Ooh. he wanted to read. The first was Spider-Ham in Hollywood Mayhem, uh, written by Steve Fox. I don't know who the artist is off the top of my head. I apologize uh, but it's delightful. Sounds great. It's for children. Love it, it. It's for children, but it's mm-hmm. delightful. Uh, he also picked Ms. Marvel Volume 1, No Normal. And I'm like, mm. I mean, this is good. I think you're like three years too young to start reading this, but it's <laughs> fine. We'll go at it. You like Kamala. The kids love Kamala, folks. Yeah, she's great. She's great. She's great. She's dead. Um, No, nah, I mean. That won't last. Listen. Listen, I'm just annoyed at how Marvel did things. I'm not buying that she's dead. I'm just like, that's crappy, guys. <laughs> you did it bad. She died. And you know the only person who's been sad about it in comics? I just want to be clear. The only person who's been sad about it so far in comics? It's Cyclops. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. It is Cyclops. He's a little sad about it, too. I forgot about that part. The other person who's sad about it? Who's Norman that? Osborn. Oh, well. He, he's like Persian. He had all of his sins sin. eaten. Yeah. No, the sins were eaten with a shotgun. <laughs> Amazing. What is it's going on comics, in the office? <laughs> Bud, comics are beautiful. If people want to find your comics or just like you, Adam, where can they find you? Oh, folks can always follow me on Instagram at Adam.rec or on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Don't try and find Zach. 
Uh, always Don't. check out the amazing content at Comics XF. Do, do. do do become a patron over at uh, patron patreon.com slash comics XF. And well, Zach got to pick this week, so must be my turn this next week, right? It's Adam's turn next week. And you know what? Zach, I this, think the images that we're looking at seem yes, pretty neat. This blood's for you, bud. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!